11 o'clock comics, episode Awesome. Oh, wait, I didn't even check to see if we're recording. I guess this is the best time to do it now, huh? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing we're doing fine. You betcha. Alright. Back again. How's, how's, uh, how's, how's, how's it work, Chris? Where's your back and everything? Uh, I was I was good for about five hours and then I wanted to start fucking murdering people. So and then what uh, people took us out. No, 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 no vendors. Uh, it took me about uh, I got about an hour for the and then I wanted to start murdering felonies. And uh, so yeah, I'm back back to work nice, but it, it's all right. I'm still uh, I'm, I'm still kind of in the afterglow of Mexico, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely back at work. So. <laughs> he was sexting all day today. Sexting, <laughs> yeah. I haven't. I, I one thing I haven't done since I came back was pick up on the tweets and the twittering and all that. I haven't. I haven't been twittering that much. So trying to catch up. Yeah, but I'll get back into the Twitterverse. Twi- I was just going to say that the Twitterverse. The Twitterverse. Hello, everybody. Up. Chris is back, and it's eleven o'clock comics. I am Vince B, and I'm all fired up. I'm all fired the hell up. Well, I was back last week. Apparently, I, didn't I know. Leave I know. Impression. <laughs> well, no, you're back. <laughs> yeah, you're back by yourself. See, you don't have, yes, you don't have yes. your Chicago brethren with you this week. Yeah, I don't. I don't have. I don't have the uh, the backup that I needed last week because I was pretty pretty wiped out. So, take two. I'm Chris Neesman. That's the part you're supposed to say. <laughs> I'm Chris Neesman, and I am back this week. So. Yay. Um, I'm David Price, and I'm going to try not to be so negative. Nice. (laughs) I hadn't noticed. I'm going to try. I said I'm going to try. You know what? If we get talking about what I think we're going to be talking, I'm going to be pretty negative this time. Hey, now. I'll pick up the slack for you. Yeah. Sweet, bud. And uh, I am Levi Johnston. No. No. Nuh-uh. You Jason Wood. Uh, What's up? That's right, I am. And we're all here. that baby daddy. Yeah, I'm not your baby's daddy. (laughs) Levi Who's Levi Johnson? Nick's jeans, oh, right? He was he was gonna uh he was he was the one who supposedly he knocked, knocked up, up Sarah, uh, Palin. Sarah Palin's daughter. Oh. Oh now you're getting obscure. It's haven't we forgotten about her yet? I wish not, I wish not we if, could forget about yeah. him and Joe. Not if He's Devil's Do keeps do. making friggin' comic books of her. Oh yes. my god. It remind me to yeah. It's I, I love love the Chicago publisher. Um, so, sometimes I'm I'm just like, what? Yeah, seriously? Come on, guys. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss first comics sometimes. Was first out of Chicago? I do believe they were. I Is think that, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a long time ago. Oh, first, Way back. first. We, we need, yeah, Aww. yeah, and uh, we need to pull the the fancy flashback. Talk about all the old Midwestern publishers. There was a. Uh, um, who was um, Nexus originally? Was that first? 
Well, uh, originally it was Capital City. Capital then it City. Went to, uh, then it went to uh, the first. Yeah. Because Rude and Barron were out of Madison, right? Madison, Wisconsin? Yeah. David, was it Capital City or was it just Capital Comics? No, it was, it was Capital Distribution. Capital. capital City was the distributor, but Capital Capital Comics was the... Because right. I think it was pretty much self-published. Because I think, I think Barron ended up blowing his money trying to keep the first few issues afloat. So, yeah. And did you notice in the newest previews catalog there is a Nexus Black and White Digest being offered? I heard about it, but I didn't. I didn't look it up. Is perfect it, is for our boy Wood, who wants to get I, in. I am all about ordering that. It was, it was uh, like mana from heaven this this month when I got my previews and saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, you and know, it's I, it's relatively inexpensive too. It's like nine ninety five, right? Mm-hmm. There you go. I lo- I love the Nexus archives, but could, I mean, there's how many of them are there? Lots. It's, there are, yeah. And they're fifty bucks a piece, and they're they're yeah. beautiful, and I would love to get them and read them all. But man, they need to seriously think about putting that out in trade. I, I think it would it would do really well in trade. But um, digest are great. I wish they were in color. But um, I was thinking about this recently. Yeah, there, there's they, almost different. There, there are different strata of collectors in comics. It seems these days because you can't be everything anymore. You can't buy the occasional archive omnibus or mm-hmm. like Nexus uh, collection, which reprints older material and keep up with the new books. You can't do it. Like we were talking about the creepy and the eerie archives. Yep. One when when one volume of an archive in a solicitation screws up your whole order, there's a problem. So so I got you have to either focus on what avenue of collecting you want to take do you want to be you know the the uh memory lane guy and pick up all the archives or do you want to stay current it, what do you do well what you what have you to do? end up doing is is picking and choosing and what there's going to end up being hopefully you know we talked about uh the trouble that uh um that gemstone may or may not be having but uh you know there will be eventually what like 42 volumes or 44 volumes of the uh, the EC archives hopefully and that's i mean you're oh. getting close to even through like an Amazon or an in-stock discount that's like 1500 bucks that's oh, not yeah. that's that's not chump change to to think how, about how many all issues archives. of each do they reprint per volume uh six oh but there those, will be that many EC archives then? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna end up being like forty four because there there were some of those titles that had some really good healthy runs in them. The EC and, books? Yeah, well, yeah. No, no. If if some of them went to eighteen issues, it was a lot. Well, thank you may be including the New Direction stuff in there, well, there like might, like there, piracy and all that stuff. Well, how many volumes were there of the uh, the black and white reprints that they did a few years ago? Well, like were, 10, 15 years ago, whatever those are. There was one. One, one slipcase volume. I think the Tales from the Crypt was five volumes, and that was it. And the uh, Vault of Horror was, I think, um, four volumes. But And they reprinted maybe... Yeah, I mean, you got shot. Five issues, stories. six issues a piece? I don't know. There's going to be like four or five volumes of Weird Science. You've got all the Two-Fisted Tales. There's the... Um, uh, Shock suspense and crime suspense. There, there was a lot of different stuff in that. Yeah, I think yeah. whenever we talked with Russ, like God, two and a half years ago, I think he said it was supposed to be like forty, forty-four uh, oh. volumes. He's awesome, well, by the way. Well, Russ is great. Russ yeah. is fantastic, and uh, I really hope. I mean, this is his dream to see this stuff 
uh, in in these nice archives. And whenever we talked to him, he said that it was really more for the libraries than for collectors because he wants to see this stuff available to uh, younger people to to always have these available in libraries. So hmm. so we'll see. Hey, um, speaking of like buying stuff, uh, do you guys get the um, uh, things from another world uh, emails and that kind of yep. stuff? Yes, I do. It's, it's the uh, it's the annual dent and scratch sale. It's Yay. awesome, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I got a little stupid with it yesterday. <laughs> um, I have the uh, I have the the Sin City the first library edition, and I've kind of been waiting for the second one because the first the first volume of the Sin City library, which is beautiful, it is the really really good stuff, and then the second library edition has like the art of and and a lot of the the minis and stuff that maybe weren't the best stories in the series, sixty dollars. Wow. Yeah, and that's usually like a hundred and fifty dollar retail. Yeah. I've never seen it for under a hundred dollars. I got, and it's it's the dent and scratch, so I'm sure there's going to be some scuff marks on it, but on the on the slip case. But I don't care that. And I finished out the entire run of Lone Wolf and Cub for four dollars. Um, <laughs> um, for four dollars for oh, each digest. Nice. Yeah. That's, ha- that's less than half price, buddy. Sixty percent off everything. Nice. So get a little over your next order while you're drinking. <laughs> Speaking of drinking. Speaking yeah. of drinking. Thank you, David. Uh, well. Why don't you Why don't you lead us Free off? Free tonight. On, yeah. Uh, why don't you <laughs> Why don't you uh, lead us off on the uh, drink roll call? I was. Uh, we had to stop by the liquor store over here by the house on the way home because we we had nothing in the house and. Uh, ah! I know. I, I was pissed. We call, that, we, we call that a family emergency. We just, it is, man. I was sweating and everything. So we uh, we stopped by over here. I grabbed a bottle of wine for Renee because he actually had a the brand in that, that she likes. And I and he also has the uh, the Barefoot Vineyard that I've been drinking. So I picked up another bottle of that. And that's, uh, that's what I'm uh, sipping on tonight. You like your grapes, don't you? I kind of do. He does. Wow, very, very nice. I need to get you and Marta together to talk... Uh talk the the vino she's a a big wine connoisseur and okay. uh, has taught and has taught me much i'm i'm still i'm still very much a layman but uh, i do enjoy the wine talk and I, and parent parent stuff up i i love to cook and she's very good at pairing wines up with what uh that's what great i i yeah. won't i don't want to spend like you know 30 bucks on a bottle no. but i mean and and if it's good i mean i usually drink the gallo and and you'll you can mock me tonight i'm i'm drinking white zinfandel but that's because after the past couple of weeks i was drinking the dark stuff and, and the last thing i want is to be smiling and all of a sudden my, my teeth are purple so yeah. taking it a little easy on the uh, on the reds this week 30 yeah, bucks for wine you can get the ripple for like four dollars i know well this 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 is uh this is a big ass bottle and it was uh i want to say like maybe 10 bucks at that nice yeah, it's it's, it's a liter and a half so Ser- seriously drink what you like but in uh, in my experience and definitely talking with martin she worked for, at a wine store for like six years so mm. um she she knows her business you can get some really really nice wines in the 10 12 15 18 dollar range yeah you can do you can do very well uh on your wine you don't feel like you have to spend you know, forty or fifty dollars on a bottle of wine, and honestly, whenever you do spend that much on a bottle of wine, it, most of the time that is not meant to be consumed right then. Those are the True. those are the bottles that you need to put away for you know mm-hmm. eight, ten, 
12, 15 years and then drink them. So um, that's why, you know, a good $12 bottle of wine is one that you want to pick up at the store and have with dinner. So, yeah. uh, Mr. And I'm not going to act like an expert. I need to have my wife in here for, for wine talk. Yeah. We talk <laughs> comics. So let's move on. Mr. Bonavolia. Ooh, you said my name. Oh, I'm sorry. Here, we can edit <laughs> That's that out. That's all right. No, <laughs> Mr. B. No, you know why I'm going to leave it in there? Because you said it correctly. You did. Oh, That's oh, amazing. Right. Yeah. I forget about I forget. <laughs> uh, Okay. I'm drinking. <laughs> I'm drinking. About that, that, the mask of the mask of secrecy and mystery. Yeah. I've blown it. I've... No, it's all right. I'm drinking black and tan because it's there goes good. that mystery. Yeah. You're a man. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a man drinking black and tan. <laughs> In, with the plan in the, in the fatherland yep nice uh mr mr wood drinking a little gray goose with a little splash of lime mm. nice sipping on nice. gin and goose <laughs> <laughs> come on it's this week give me points for trying at least that was nice though thank you tell oh, you what you the, didn't know it. How about the, you, Mexican, the, the mexicans ruined me man i put lime in everything now i'm like milk oh, lime orange yeah. juice lime <laughs> Bud Light, the Bud Light with the twist of lime. Mm-hmm. It's a great summer beer. It really is. I have to say, it's 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 a tasty. Goes down like Coca Cola. Oh, you put your Zima away and have that. You drink it with your white. Says Zinfandel. the guy drinking white Zinfandel. <laughs> Hilarious. Yes. We Jason, you are absolutely right about the Yingling Premium. It's not all that premium. Exactly. Yeah, because I mean, I've been I've been acclimating myself to it over the course of the week. And it's kind of watery and kind of thin. Special and expert, it's not maybe. not all that tasty. I mean, black and tan kicks it in the nads. So yeah, yeah. Special yep. like special export. Uh, me, I am uh, uh, about the only time you uh, you'll ever catch me drinking scotch. Uh. I am. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was a belts. that was a Homer burp. That was. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking. I, I've actually had this on the show before. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you're sure. uh, I'm drinking a Godfather tonight, which is uh, 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 Scotch and Amaretto on the rocks. Oh yeah. So it's a it's a it's a it's an old man drink, but uh, but I I love to have it every every great once in a while. So hey, hey Chris, mm-hmm. at Windy mm-hmm. City, I want to I'm gonna have to put a self imposed ban on anything conventional. No beers for me because. You are always the man with different drinks, and I haven't had like eighty percent of the ones you talk about. So Sweet. when I'm hanging with you at Windy City, you're tell we're we're drinking crazy drinks. Nice. Well, nice. they're not crazy nice. for crazy you. Drinks. Ones for me. I got I got I got a few places to go. And um, oh, speaking of, before I forget, uh, Mike Oliveri, um, who nice. uh, uh, Michael Oliveri is going to be here. Um, Eric Rose, the artist from uh, the Roberts, uh, just mm. got confirmation from him. Uh, Christopher Mitten. The artist of Wasteland. Wasteland, nice. Just ordered the fourth trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, confirmed to be back, and I think we had a couple other, couple other folks to announce. But yeah, it's right now. We're up to like sixty-six guests, and you can get a full mm-hmm. full guest list at the forum at uh, eleven o'clock comics dot com or bullpen bull bullpen bull. Bulletinspodcast.com. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting excited about it, and um, um, uh, I'll just tell you that our programs we started putting those together this week, and they're going to be the best programs of any convention in the world. Wow, that's a pretty big. That is big talk. That, yeah, it is. Yep, yep. Bigger We're, than uh, Wizard Big Apple Con? Oh God. 
Oh. It's also that that one they should just call the Alamo Con. <laughs> <laughs> well played, very nice. So that, what happened to the parking that, lot? That's where yeah, we dug cir- the graves. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, circle the fucking wagons con is yeah. what that one is. Well, for, the, for those playing at home that don't know what we're talking about, Garrett Seamus of Wizard just uh, announced acquiring the uh, Big Apple con, which is, uh, for New Yorkers, It's I mean, it's it's been around a long time. And it's yep. always been the... Even when there wasn't a New York Comic Con, it was not a con that garnered much attention. Um, it was held at the yeah. Pennsylvania Hotel, which is a seedy, rundown hotel. Um, Back in the day, and, though. And then, well, uh, right, right, sure. I'm saying nowadays it is. And yeah. uh, I guess he's announced that he's acquired it. He's calling it the premier <laughs> New York uh, and he's And he's scheduled, I think, what, October 2009, which has a lot of people wondering if he's going to try and compete directly with New York Comic Con. But unless he's a complete and utter imbecile, which I don't oh, even think Garrett he'll, be he'll, he'll, he'll flip it. He'll flip it yeah. to April or whatever Absolutely. it is. But what's funny, if you want to have a little insight into the into the Big Apple Con, and I'm not going to talk, I don't want to slam other cons, but we had, uh, we had mentioned Evan Dorkin. Last week, uh, the artist of Milk and Cheese, and he had he had done the art for um, uh, I love you, Beth Cooper. Um, Evan Dorkin had one of the most hilarious con wrap ups on his blog last year from the New York uh, the the Big Apple Con. So it tr- uh, track that down, and that'll give you a good idea of what the Big Apple Con is 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 like or was like last year. So all right, yeah, cool. He he says everything I want. <laughs> He's a funny man. Before the storm episode, by the way. There, there's been many issues of Dork that have had me screaming, laughing, LOL, big time. You know what I yeah, was looking for the other dude. night? Right. But not LOFL? <laughs> What's that? Laughing on the floor? Floor yeah. laugh, yeah. Laughing out fucking loud. That's R-O-F-L. God, we're talking the text speak. Stop. Move on. I don't do that. I can't talk the what is the rap thing either. I think those guys were going on with last time. Are you down, <laughs> down with not, AP? You no, me? I'm not down with it. I'm not. Hey, guys. This is Haas. I'm a first-time caller. Just wanted to say I enjoy the show. And if you're not reading Wonder Woman, then what the fuck is wrong with you? Pick it up. Or I'll come and beat your ass. Later. Bye. <laughs> hey, guys. It's Haas again. Just wanted to also let you guys know, David and Daryl are absolutely right about Dwayne McDuffie's run on Justice League. The editorial staff just fucked that up. Um, hopefully it gets better. It'll probably only get better if they put B-list characters on a group. So, well, we'll see you in a couple of months. Peace. Later. Yeah, so do you want to talk so about what I think we're going to talk about? Who's been reading what, man? Yeah, talk, let's, uh, let's talk about this DC thing first. Okay. What DC uh-huh. thing is that? Let's throw down with the with the heat, and then we can go into the comics later. <laughs> the lava. Uh, well, I it, what you guys are talking about the new three ninety nine forty page books that are coming. From oh, DC. I didn't. That was the topic at hand. Okay. Well, it's not a topic. It's just something we can talk about with the with the co features. Are they called? They're not called backup yeah. features. They're yeah. called ten page co features. Right. Yeah. Uh, and um, in this previews alone, there are four of them solicited. Detective 854 with Mr. Ruck's question. Streets of Gotham number one, Mark and Draco's Manhunter. Booster Goal 21 has the Blue Beetle drawn by our buddy, ding, what's his name? Mike Norton. Mike Norton. And T-Titan 72 has the Ravager in it. And it's rumored 
It had, they have they've never, they haven't said definitively yet, but Black Canary is going to probably be one of the characters slated for a, a co-feature. I hate that. And uh, Captain Adam is probably going to show up in action comics. You know, and, and Metal Men in the Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. Yeah. When I when I hear Kevin co-feature. Kevin McGuire and, and, metal and, and Keith Giffen. And right. when I hear co-feature, to me that that seems like that makes it sound as though the backup ties into the main story. Right, it, almost it like just, another it, aspect of the same story, right? Right. Yeah. It's either, either you know, maybe okay, well. uh, maybe. But I mean, just to call it a co-feature, it just it's. We'll call I'm it a comeback. I'm, I'm not. I'm not see, see, there you go again. I'm not. I'm not buying a double feature comic book or, or, hey, or an anthology. Okay, okay. I'm buying, well, but go ahead. What, what what were some of the best parts of the Hulk magazine? Mm. But they no. I <laughs> am I supposed to say the Bloodstone backups? No, no, the Moon Knight backups. Oh, yeah. the Moon Knight but they were backups. backups. Okay. I have no problem with backups. I'm 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 just I'm talking about the the semantics of of calling it a co-feature and why. Yeah, they're backups. They're backups. They are. Stories. But yeah. but but what? But my point is that sometimes backups can be stuff that is maybe even better than than what's at the front of the book. I mean, there are some backups out oh, there. That, yeah. Um, uh, what was the shit? What was the what was the book? Um, uh, well, I'm I'm trying to get to Doctor Thirteen. What was that a backup for? Uh, Tales of Suspense. Uh, no, wasn't it Rain in Hell? No, no, it was no, no, no. I, oh. I want to say the the Spectre Tales of Suspense with the Doctor Thirteen backups. The Doc Thirteen backups were better than the the stuff that Waif was doing. You know, and and I I love David Waifum, but but the the stuff that Azarillo and Cliff Chang were doing in those backup stories, shit, I bought that trade long before I buy the the Tales of Suspense. So you know, somewhat, you know, sometimes you know, an eight page backup story, you put those together, and those can be some awesome stories so yeah but it, it is it is the exception to the rule though that dr 13 thing right right usually and i know this is targeted to i mean they're they're making a play to succeed so you know damn well that they have all the ducks in a row with these backup features you're putting rucka and andreco on it mike norton on art they're trying they, they want to win but that's not the point like most of us, we have budgets, right? All you guys have comic book Shit, budgets. Yeah. Budgets? Yeah. What the fuck's a budget? Well, you, maybe but, uh, maybe not uh, Daddy Warbucks, but most of us <laughs> no, most have, has, Chris, have budgets. Chris C., he'd buy. Well, yeah, it would be nice, but but in, in reality, the the chunk of my comic book buying budget has always gone to independence because that's the way I want it. The Marvel and the DC stuff is just like a dalliance with me, an extravagance. um, There are certain Marvel and DC titles that I will buy always, but they're the thing that traditionally have been cut in favor of preserving my independence. Now, when you tell me that I'm going to raise the price of DC books that you're already buying a buck an issue, it's going to cost me an extra five bucks, say, a month, just to maintain these books that really don't matter in the long run to me anyway. I'm not going to I'm not going to cut Proof or a, or Savage Dragon or like say a picture box book and I'm not going to reroute spending just to accommodate a DC title? No way, it's not happening. So, you know, you have the guys on the forum saying it's only a buck. It's not that big of a deal. It is that big of a deal when you're spending an extra $72 a year, say, just to maintain these DC titles yeah. when you're, you're taking money away from a budget that you would spend, have spent on independence. 
And I don't even look at it like, okay, $72 over the course of a year. I go in, if I go in with 20, 30 bucks at a comic shop, I'm going in thinking that I'm leaving with a certain amount of comic books. If I go in the next week with that same $20, $30 and I leave with fewer books, that's an issue to me right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an issue. I think there's two there's two things at play here, right? The first is we're talking about the DC doing this, but to be fair to DC, their argument would probably be like, well, Marvel's up in all your books to three ninety nine, and you're not getting anything extra. Right. Well, it's just, so, it is a good way to do it. I'll right. Give, so I'll give them gonna, that much. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna at least give you ten pages of other story content by legitimate writers and legitimate artists. I mean, the one thing we'll say about this, and maybe it's just to start it, and maybe they'll pull a bait and switch, but at least for now. The backups that we've seen announced, both the writers and the artists, are legit. So this isn't the kind of thing where they're going to fill it up with eight to ten pages of back matter from from you know a new artist that are just trying to get his feet wet and get him some work. I mean, these are guys that are established, have their own names, can carry their own books, which is good. That, so so I think relative to DC versus Marvel, you got to give props to DC for the way they're approaching it. Now that only Absolutely. works though if they're if they're intending to keep it right. So a lot of people, yeah. conspiracy theorists, are thinking they're going to do this and then bait and switch. Eventually, you know, a lot of these titles will start going to three ninety nine without the backups, and it's just DC's way of oh, that, doing the same thing. That's more. not conspiracy theory. That's how the comics industry has always done it. Yeah, they've done it before. They, they'll, they, they'll increase the page count, increase the price, and then. They reduce the page count, keep the same price, and then bring mm-hmm. all the other books back to that. that that's what they're doing. It's sure. a year from a year from now. We're it's it's their way of easing into the the price creep. Right. So well, well, I think the other thing, to, the other aspect of this though, is actually the antithesis of what Vince said, which is Vince said he'll he'll buy DC and Marvel books, but never at the expense, or not usually at the expense, of his indie titles. Right. Certainly. That is a 180 from, I fear, what's happening or going to happen with most readers, which is that um, as we see time and time again when we talk about the, the the diamond numbers and how poorly even great indie titles sell, I think what this is going to do is, you're right, Vince, everybody has a budget. And so let's say the average guy has a $50 budget. Well, if Marvel and DC books that he can't do without are going to cost him an extra 33%. That's two or three more indie books that he may or may not have given a try. Right. And un- unfortunately, I think the net effect of these price hikes by Marvel and DC is is almost exclusively going to hurt non-Marvel you know, and DC titles. You know, guy, we, we talk about this all the time, and I don't want to get mired in this, but I really think that there are, the, and I'm broad generalization here, I think there are three types of comic book consumers. There are people that only buy mainstream books, there are people that buy um, majority of mainstream books and some independents, and there are people that buy a majority of independents and, you know, some mainstream books. The the people I think that, you should add one more to that list, though. The people that only buy independent books. No, the people that buy the archive books, because there's a lot of okay. guys that'll just buy the DC archives or the, but, but, you know. The, the okay. point I'm trying to make is that a price hike, by saying that some people are not going to take a chance on an independent book because they're spending more on the X-Men, Spider-Man, Justice League, Batman, whatever. I think that is a very small group of comic book consumers that even do that. There are people. I guess what I'm trying to say is that there are people out there that buy Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, X-Men, and that's all they buy, and that's all they're ever going to buy, and it doesn't matter how much it is, and they're never going to buy proof 
even if it's one cent because they have sure. absolutely no interest in but, it. And that, so I think sometimes that gets overblown a little bit. People that are going to buy the independent books are going to buy them because they're interested in them. But I think it also has an effect even in the core in the core Marvel DC in that people are going to have a much lesser tendency to try new titles out or buy ancillary right. DC or Marvel books. Now that, mm-hmm. A mysterious that, unfathomable I, or a Blue Beetle or a Manhunter or a uh, Captain Agents Britain, of MI Atlas. 13. Yeah, Captain MI thirteen, right? So, so that's so even if you're mainly a mainstream person, uh, I, I still think it has a, uh, a, a derogatory impact on the industry. Um, and, and I think you you hit the nail on the head in that it's it's Marvel and DC's ancillary titles. It's the Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxies and the Novas and and that kind of stuff. That would be the type that I love. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, and because they're Marvel and DC, the the mainstream mainstream Marvel and DC consumers will probably be more apt to try those out as opposed to an Image or IDW or Dynamite book or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think I think this price creep will hurt those books maybe even more than the independent books. Mm-hmm. Well, let's think of it this that. way. Let's go around and ask you of the of the six or seven we know we know are coming. Uh, a do any of them make you want to try the book that you otherwise would not have tried? And B, um, or any of them because of the price hike, books that you are reading that you're now going to drop? Who wants to go first? Um, what's you? the metal, What's the Metal Man backup? That's Doom Patrol. That, that's yeah. yeah I probably, probably would have tried out Doom Patrol anyway, but the Kevin McGuire Metal Man is a is a no brainer for me. Mm-hmm. The other ones, uh, probably books I was probably already going to read. Yeah. Okay, and you'll continue to read them, right? Uh, if they're good. If they're not good, okay. then I'll then I'll get something else. How about you, yeah. David? Doom Patrol, Middleman, Backup, uh, pretty much everything else. I I don't think so. I I'd like to give the Batwoman a shot, but I'm kind of Batmaned out. And same thing with Action Comics and 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 the whole Superman corner of the DCU right now isn't isn't wooing me. So oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> well, this is something I told David. Earlier, when we were just shooting the poop, waiting for Mr. Wood. No, waiting for Mr. Neesman. Oh yes, that's <laughs> I was, right. Wait- <laughs> I, I yes. was late this week. But, God damn! But, but God strangely, damn. but strangely, whenever I joined in, Wood was gone. Yeah, he's scared. <laughs> I will not pay three ninety nine for a mainstream comic book. I'm not doing it. And that means saying goodbye to a book that I've purchased for pretty much thirty five, thirty seven years mm-hmm. and that's action comics as soon as action comics reaches 399 they put the captain adam back up in it i will say goodbye to to uh action comics these i think what dc has to remember and marvel too these uh comic books are not necessities there's a lot of yeah. things jockeying for my entertainment dollar i could take a couple of bucks and buy a, a cd a dvd get my entertainment value i can go buy a used game when when you jack up the price of comics even a little, it makes you reevaluate your whole expenditures. I mean, your 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 plan of just wasting essentially this this money you devote to entertainment. I don't need comics that bad that I have to pay three ninety nine for Marvel and DC a pop for them. So I'm just gonna I won't even buy them. I I did you just hear Vince say I don't need comics that bad? I don't need mainstream comics that bad. Did, 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 uh-huh. did you hear that I would never I would never ever stop buying the independents because that's in the Vince B heart of comics. It's made up of 
entirely independent comics and there's a nice little chunk for marvel and dc just little here and there but the majority of my comic love is all independence it's all independent events mm-hmm. you're killing independent events yeah, yeah. You're killing them who i don't even recognize these people but no i i i can't justify spending four bucks on a mainstream comic it ain't happening mm-hmm. and, and and if i if i have to leave uh, say a Zurich award-winning uh, comic book creator on the shelf, and uh, a, a cutting-edge book from Avatar or IDW at the expense of a book that, in the long run, isn't going to mean shit in ten years. Well, you know, it's a, but buy buy what you like. Buy right, you. it's exactly what I'm going to do. Buy yeah. what I like. Sure. You know, and and you know, for me, it's like I know now, I know now that as good as Spider-Man is, Spider-Man is always the strength of that character is the core. And, and that core of the character will always be there. Same thing with Wolverine or Batman or Superman or whatever. Um, right now, I'm having more fun with Guardians of the Galaxy than I'm having with just about Preach. any other. You know, and so, <laughs> so loud. It, it, is that is that book <laughs> worth three ninety nine to me? I I don't know. It's hard to put a price tag on that on that kind of stuff. But right. um, I know it's something that I look forward to each week. And right. whenever I got Captain Britain MI thirteen in my pull box today, I was like, ooh, can't wait to get home and read this. That's a, that's so, a good way of assessing how what mainstream books mean to you. Their importance in your life when, when you get them and you let them sit in piles reading other works in favor of mainstream books they don't mean all that much to you do you, do they uh, and that that's that. how i well no i mean that's how i do it if okay. i if i let say um you know superman I, which i don't but if i let superman pile up at, at the expense of fables obviously fables means more to me because i would get to the superman stuff right off the bat and read it i haven't read spider-man in in five issues i got to get to it because but when right. when proof comes i got to read it right then and there yeah i mean i i can't say that i think everyone has their own process for me i can't that's definitely not the case though in the sense that the last few weeks i've really been catching up on some titles that i were five six issues behind and in many cases i've read them and have been elated and thought wow i really love this series i can't believe i let it go that long so i I, I don't for for me personally that it's not correlated. I, I there was I haven't read I haven't read Scalped in six months, and I it it's still probably one of the top you know two or three books on the shelves. And mm-hmm. you know I think of it in a tantric way. That I say nice, that. I like it. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. But, uh, Sting no, approves. I, Sting approves. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no shit. But uh, no, it's it, it just all comes back. Read, read what yeah. you like. And yeah, enjoy it. well, exactly. And yeah. When, when you're talking about how people spend money, there really isn't a right and a wrong to this thing. No. It's just whatever works for you. Right. Well, the thing too is 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 uh, you know we often get in these conversations or, or on the forums, people say why is you know why do only X number of people buy this book? Whatever it's you know why do five thousand people buy? Fear agent. Why do fifty thousand people buy action? You know, why aren't there more readers? But then, if you sit and think about it, um, if you just take the diamond top three hundred and let's say you were just such a nut, you wanted to buy all three hundred comics, it would cost you eleven hundred dollars a month. Wow. <laughs> you know? I mean, think about that, right? I mean, the average comic is now over three dollars a book. So, yep. you know, I mean, just putting that in perspective, then you start thinking: how many people of any walk of life have a thousand dollars a month? to spend on any one hobby, right? I mean, that's a yeah. pretty small... Bob so, B. Yeah, no, exactly. But I mean, so even yeah. people... I mean, I think, you know, I you joke, but I, I 
buy I spend a lot on comics. I you know my my average DCBS order is two hundred fifty bucks, let's say. So that's with discounts. So let's say that's four hundred dollars retail. So I got to be up there. I mean, I got to imagine not too many people out of those few hundred thousand that spend that much, right? So, and yet that's only buying me 80 comics a month. I say only, but that's one that's less than a third of the books in the Diamond 300. And and that means you think, you figure Marvel puts out 75 to 80 books a month, DC puts out 65, 70 a month. So I'm only buying, you know, maybe what, two-fifths of what they're putting out and then another bunch of indies? So well, what, and, I, and I, what I love about that, Jason, is that since since I've met you, is that probably whenever I first met you on a forum, you know, met you through a forum, the 80 books that you bought were probably, mm, the majority were in the top 100, and I bet you now the 80 that you buy, it's probably spread out pretty evenly from 1 to 300, and even stuff that's not even on the 300. Oh, definitely true. Yeah. Well, there's no question. My my tastes and uh, I've gotten a lot more out of the comics community and you nuts than I've given back. I mean, I it's fun. It's fun though, isn't it? Just being able to go, wow, there's some awesome stuff out there, and what an idiot I was. You know, well, when you're buying ten comics, ten copies of Army at Love, just to give out to people because you just think (laughs) it's so great, you know. I lined my I cast litter box with the last. No, uh, no. Hey, no. It's, it's <laughs> it, man. Start starting the whole podcast thing is giving me. I whenever whenever I first started doing this, I thought I knew a lot about comics, and yeah. the last three years I have gained such an appreciation for this medium and mm-hmm. really enjoy comics more now than I ever yeah. thought would even be possible. And uh, it's it's something that uh, you know I'm, it's been it's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, well, for me, like you said, Chris, I'd say almost all of the incremental share has moved away from Marvel. I, I used to buy literally for 15 years. I bought every Marvel comic produced every month mm-hmm. and nothing else, basically. So you know, this I was just feeling looking at the, this month's previews, and it's like there are so many Marvel comics that I have no interest in buying now, and it's stuff that I used to clamor for, but it, now it just seems so. I mean, these these Dark Reign three four issue miniseries that are yeah. three ninety nine, it's just it it's yeah. immediately off my list. It may be the yeah. greatest four issue miniseries in the world, and if it is, I'll hear enough people rave about it, and I'll pick it up in a trade in some fifty percent bin at at next year's cons. You know what I mean? It's just. Do I sure. really need a four-issue series about the Lethal Legion or a four-issue Dark Reign tie-in for the Hood? I mean, no, I don't really need it. Not at the expense of a book that's really original and 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 is something I, I'm not, I haven't seen before. So, yeah. like Chew, yeah, like Chew, yeah, like, like Chew from Image. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I I really have a feeling that this three ninety nine price trend is not going to bode well for the industry as a whole. But let's just enjoy the ride. Yeah, it'll do. That. It'll it, it'll do what it does. And Wood, as a, uh, a a finance guy, will hopefully back me up here and say that that the market will do what it does, and the pricing will come in line with the market, and and vice versa. So you know, if uh, if there's a big backlash off the price hike, then then I, I don't know if you'll see a price drop. You might see a price freeze for a while, but you know Maybe. the the market the market will you know they will sell comics at the price that the market will allow. And so it's it's okay to to uh, throw a shoe at Dan DiDio? Is that no, what you're because, no, because no, because Dan DiDio isn't the publisher. All right, he's, he's the executive editor. Well, then so. we'll throw it at Levitz. We'll throw a shoe at Levitz. That's what we'll yeah, do. Yeah, and 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 Dan Buckley. Okay. And, 
Um, Eric Stevenson. I just want my shoe back after I'm done yeah, throwing I mean, it, though. Yeah, the, the, I mean, it's you want to get upset, get, get upset at Dan. Get get upset at Dan Buckley, who I hear is a pretty darn good guy. But yeah, well, I'm not just I'm not going to get upset. I'm just going to adjust my buying accordingly and move on. Not, yeah, man, I'm not going to get all I worked work, up about it. I, I work I work for a company that makes home gyms and fitness equipment, and you know what we sell our our equipment for? What oh, people no. will buy it? Right. <laughs> yeah, sure, makes sense. You know, it's that's except when you sell that, your boy Woodrow uh, some stuff at cost. No, I can, I can, I can, I can help the brother out. But I mean, I mean, that's just you got the little man, Jim. Is that what you're yeah. going to sell him? <laughs> oh, oh shit. We got some nice, we got some I nice women. Many things, I'm not gyms. little. That's true. But uh, no, I mean that's that, that's what people sell things at. What people will buy them at. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they're just finding market value. Right. So, whatever. Let's let's stop talking numbers and talk comics. Well, that wasn't yeah, really numbers. Comics, yeah, maybe. it was numbers, wasn't it? Well, that's finance talk. Let's talk just, the books. Let's do it, dude. What y'all reading? Somebody's got to be reading something. I got something well, I want to talk about, but it's it's heavy, so I'll talk about it later. something out of the way. I thought when you said you were, we were going to get something DC out of the way, it wasn't what I thought you were going to say. Oh, well, uh, what were you going to talk about? Rebels? Flash, Flash Rebirth? Oh, David was. How does this... I can't the, turn this off fast enough. <laughs> David oh, well, you, was... You didn't read it yet, David? Oh, he read uh, it. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't finish it. I started it. Uh, I didn't, oh. I, it's, it's hard for me to get through. I can't... I'm... Really? <laughs> I am not. I am not the biggest. Um, uh, if we I like, can, I, may I, I like, request that we don't spoil the piss out of it? Because I did not read the. No, issue. we're not going. Oh, to. Really? I, I'm just. I'm no. going. I'm just saying that. Not a priority, dude. I'm not a fan of. Um, I wish it was. I, I. I wish it was too. I'm not a big fan of Ethan Van Skyver. That. That's one. Really? Yeah. Um, and and it's just me. I see some of the characters as as. As flat, nothing, nothing's popping out. His, uh, his, there doesn't seem to be much depth either. Everybody's scowling or mad, like uh, <laughs> Alan Scott or um, no Captain Cold's understandable. But I mean, so but you're speaking ahead. surface, though. You're talking yes. about the look of the comic. Yes, yes. See, the thing that that hasn't prompted me to to get off my my butt and read it. It's Barry. I don't care about Barry. Well, I like I like Barry because I used to when when. When I lived in the Yonkers and I'd go down to the newsstand, it was it was right before the trial of the Flash. So wow. I was I was reading the Flash by Carrie, by Carmine, and uh, it was before Crisis. So I, I liked Barry. Wally's always been Kid Flash to me, and 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 I know that he's 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 the Flash to more people yep. than he is Kid Flash, and that and that's fine. I. I I like Barry. I'm, I've been fine with him being gone. I wasn't one of the people saying either he should stay dead or, or, or he should be back. <laughs> I'll say one thing. Hal Jordan is a party guy compared to Barry. Yes, he is. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> well, you know, you, this you, you talk true. about stuffed shirts. Barry's like, oh, yeah. man, loosen up, dude. <laughs> no, it's, but it's it, – it, there's no – I don't get – nothing um, – it just it, it lacks depth. It's it's very two dimensional. I find Ethan's art, and and I know a lot of people like it. It's, it's just, some of it just seems to be a little maybe over rendered in some areas. It, some some of his faces, some of his layouts look a little European. I I can dig it, but then but then you get to a couple of characters, and it's just like I don't know. 
everybody in the book looks like they have the weight of the world on them, and and it's it, mm. it kind of takes me out a bit, and I I can't wait to get to the part where where the Flash's chest logo is like you know six feet out in front of him, like oh, like Ethan Dish. No, no, oh no 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 no! Oh here we go, <laughs> Jason. Now it's, just, what now it's you... just pent up fucking bitterness. I, I just hey, I just I had to get that out there. I knew I wasn't going to go far with it. <laughs> Nutshot. That's that was that was that was me <laughs> letting someone else take over. I have to seriously craft an audio snippet to to herald the arrival of the david price nutshot like ding, whenever you say something <laughs> like that we'll have it play in the background uh, <laughs> so, i love you david you know, <laughs> chris touched on it last week a little bit what you thought of it so i i get you you know i actually th- this is one of the hard things that i that i have to do in my podcast life is that i have to save things up because uh um we're gonna i think we're gonna talk about flash rebirth at length on around comics this week. Um, assume. You got the man to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and Tom Tom is actually. Um, I'm in uh, Sal. Well, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tom, Tom is uh, Tom's actually uh, uh, going to man up this week, and uh, he's an as most people know, he's an accountant, and it's tax season, and this really, I mean, he's working crazy, crazy hours right now, and uh, he was going to bow out of this week, and uh, decided that he really wants to talk about Flash Rebirth. So he's going to, yeah, he's going to man up and and come on in and talk Flash Rebirth. All I'll say is that um, I liked it. I was expecting to be blown away and I need to learn to not come into things with super <laughs> with super high brother. expectations and I also need to learn that the first part of a mini series um, can't do it all and I need to just kind of relax and say okay mm-hmm. here's the setup and, and I think Vince said something kind of important is that compared to uh, um, uh, to Barry Hal is a is a is a party animal. Yeah. And yeah. Barry in uh, in Flash Rebirth, I was just like, this guy's kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I, I I guess, you know, I've always... The, oh, when the you put Flash, up with Iris for so many years. Well, yeah. Mm, God, I, what a bit. What a bitch. What a bitch. Um, yeah, he's fucked. Um, <laughs> I mean, my, the only the only thing I know about Barry is what I is what I hear from Tom on Tom versus the Flash. I mean, Wally has always been my Flash, right. so um, so this is a very different character for me to kind of get to know. I know Jay, I know Wally, I know Bart. I mean, Barry, I only know through reputation. So this is going to be this is going to be interesting. And, and some so. of it. There's one part where where Jay's talking and the rest of the JSA is talking, and it seemed to me at at, at that moment that they were just kind of that it was almost like they were forcing you to think Gary think Gary think Barry was greater than he was. Mm-hmm. It's like oh you know he, he he made me be the Flash or he you know he yeah that's he, what Jay he, said yeah. he kept he, he kept us all you know he gave us all a kick in our pants and made us kick it up a notch and it's like. When the fuck did he do that? Well, Back in I mean, the day, Bar- Silver Bar- Age. Bar- well, Barry <laughs> is. I mean, that's the character that ushered in the Silver Age. So historically, right. it's a very important character. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, you know. But you're also looking Silver Age, and you know, Wally is the heir to Barry's mantle. But probably in the the length of his career, has probably been better written and had better stories. So it's it's going to be hard to. I don't know. This is going to be interesting. It's, it's kind of tough. I've never, when, I've, never, I've, yeah. I've never been a Flash guy, so this is, you know, there are Flash fans out there that are going to look at this very critically. I'm very much in the bleachers, just watching. 
Yeah, See, so. I'm with you, Chris, in mm-hmm. that I, I'm not a – having not been a DC guy until a few years ago and having had almost no exposure to Silver Age DC, I had very little uh, perspective on Barry other than his place in history. I mean, I guess I, I've read one or two arcs of his and you know knew his – his time in crisis and, you know, when he came back recently and whatnot, but, um, other really, so you alluded to Tom, I mean, most of my exposure to Barry has been hearing Tom's podcast, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is hilarious. So I guess I really thought that I didn't realize Barry was such a serious stiff dude. Like I assumed he was <laughs> kind of like Wally. He's kind of, a, you know, happy go lucky, you know, speedster. So this first issue, um, it did very little for me, and I think some of that has to do with the fact that I have no connection to Barry. And I guess when I read Green Lantern Rebirth, um, I didn't have Ow. much history with Hal either. <laughs> yeah. um, but by the end of it, and this is why I think your point about it only being the first issue, we have to keep in mind. By the end of Green Lantern Rebirth, I loved Hal, I loved the Green Lanterns, and I've never stopped. And I've gone back and you know bought a decade's worth of older Green Lantern issues to read. You know, I mean, I, I fell in love with the character and the mythos. Yeah. Uh, I guess I was thinking they might be doing the same thing this time. Um, it's only been one issue, but I, I didn't read that first issue. If if it wasn't significant and that Barry has such a big place and it's it's the same team that did Rebirth for Green Lantern, I probably wouldn't have any compulsion to read the second issue. But I'll read the whole series, but... After Green Lantern Rebirth, I was like going out buying Green Lantern shirts and shit. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's uh, you know, so I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it's kind of tough. Point, oh, go ahead. The, I the uh, no, I just think that the odds are stacked against Barry because you have a whole group of uh, all of the readership has suffered along with Wally. All mm-hmm. of the injustice and the just the death and and uh abuse that wally has taken over the years and we've been there to experience all of it but i really don't think the, there's a large portion of silver age no. readers still extant in, in in the readership of today no this is one so, character who's been talked about in the past tense more than anybody else right right and and when when you have to suffer along with wally at the death of a child then you kind of sympathize and you you can we've lived it with him and, and yeah. i guess that's what i want to yeah. say yeah. and barry just comes out of the blue hello i'm back you know and we're supposed to accept him he's gonna have a trial by fire as far as i'm sure. concerned it's it's like someone who it's like trying for marvel to try to tell you just how important gwen stacy was to, to peter parker it's like you you weren't you weren't there at the time or if you find you just Reader stories now, and it's like, okay, well, all right, great, but yeah. yeah I, but again, in Gwen Stacy's defense, you can sum up Gwen Stacy's importance to Peter Parker in in two words: first love. Yes, How the hell yes. do you sum up the Flash's importance to the DC universe easily? And, it's, and it's, you can't do it. It's, I mean, it's, not not within without without talking for a couple days. Hours. Yeah. yeah. The uh, before I, I don't want to cut it off. The only um. It's it's not well. It's <laughs> I. The last time I saw Bart, he was dead. You know, I don't. Yes, this isn't. Th- this isn't a. Uh, again, and and it's not designed to be because it's called Flash Rebirth, and 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 it's they're they're trying to. You know, there's obviously history in these pages that you're going to come across, but I don't know how Bart came back. I know nothing because I wasn't following the title. I know nothing about Wally and Linda's kids. Um, there's just there's a lot of things in here that I need to find out for myself. I'm not I'm not going to harp on the whole oh it wasn't new reader friendly bullshit, but it's just it's one of those things where that also didn't help 
that half the book that I've read so far get me acclimated to everybody that's in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, does Barry really need to come back? No, well, no. I mean, that's the quest, right? I mean, that's why I think this is such a fascinating endeavor is that John's is kind of trying to reset the bar for himself, and he said that, right? He's he's trying to bring back a character that a lot of people, like you said, don't really think is necessary to have back. And he's trying to see if he can imbue this character with a new importance. So I applaud the effort. And like I said, we have to, I mean, we have to let the series run its course. But, um, but yeah, the first issue didn't do much for me. I will also say to David's point, um, I don't have a, a dislike with Vance Cover's art in general, as it seems David does. But I will say <laughs> Salman, <laughs> Sal mentioned last week about this, that he thought that the art was too crowded and it was like, yeah, like George Perez. Well, I would agree with him in having read this. The, I think Van Skyver over David. You said over rendered. I think yeah, he drew the the the, the pages are too busy. Um, yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for. I mean, this is sequential art. It's supposed to tell a story, and every panel was so full of things, which is great. I mean, don't get me wrong. You obviously put a tremendous amount of work into it, but. I didn't know where I was supposed to be looking in many panels. My eyes didn't know really where to yeah, go. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. it, every corner of every panel has so much going on. You don't know where your eyes are being drawn to. And, and, and I think I that in and of itself is, a, is kind of lacking, you know? Yeah. It did look kind of energetic when I thumbed through it, which if you're going to do a book on the flash, <laughs> yeah, energetic yeah. is pretty good. Yeah, it is. You know, but as far as the Hal Berry thing goes, uh, Green Lantern Rebirth, I think, and I'll, I'll throw David a bone. John's John's was dealing with the. It, there's no argument. The greatest of the Green Lanterns. Sure. The, the the Green Lanterns do not exist without Hal. You take away Hal, you got a problem. Take away Barry. I mean, he's been gone for years. Wally did just fine. There there there's no substitute for Hal. You you have Guy, who's really great, and Kilowog and all the the core. They could never really. You're, you're going sl- to intentionally not mention Kyle <laughs> and <laughs> and Refrigerator Boy. You know, you you have these guys that could pinch hit once in a while, but never. Take the mantle. Uh, as, da- uh, as, Wally, as, as David looked me dead seriously. <laughs> I love this story. Oh, this story comes up, man. Chris, it's Hal. It's yeah. always been. And, and, and I, I do, I will admit that Hal is, when you think Green Lantern, you think Hal. When yeah. you think Flash, there are a number of people you can yeah. think of. You See, can I think, think Jay of, when I think Flash. Yeah, Jay or Wally. I think Wally, but... So Barry, to me, and I guess to a lot of people, is really not the definitive Flash, and, and it's up to Mr. Johns to make him the definitive Flash. Come on, if anybody can do it, it's it's him. It's, do, do, you it's think, Mr. Johns. do you think maybe he won't be? I mean, just I have no idea. Is it possible when when this series is done that Wally will still be Flash and Barry will decide not to be? No, I, I think know. it's. I think in hearing okay. Van Skyver talk about, and Van Skyver is, by the way, he's talk about an artist that's never gets tired of hearing himself talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a lot of interviews. Um, he keeps talking about how the biggest challenge he he and Johns have had through this is what they expect to be the backlash of what they're going to have to do with Wally in that oh, okay. in that they need to pay they need to treat Wally f- with the significance and importance that he is. But there really can't be two, in their opinion, two flashes running around that have that kind of prominence. And so they've got something planned for Wally that they hope 
um, is respectful to the fans, but but Ethan said he's nervous about it, particularly drawing it. I guess because you know they're giving you a costume. Oh, no, mm. so uh, that doesn't sound know. good. <laughs> so well, I think it's know, me. I, I I just want to go on record and say fuck Barry. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. Let's let's go that route. I that's, like uh, that's a great. I, I won't say f Barry because it's disrespectful. But who do you think you are, Mister? <laughs> Disrespectful to a fictional character. Hey, come on! I got you. Got to have the old respect. fucker stay dead. No, come on. And and props to DC. They could very well have charged three ninety nine for this, and people would not have complained. And they didn't. Just like the uh, Morrison quietly Batman and Robin. What, what, what issue charged? did you see? Why mine was two ninety nine, wasn't it? No, no. it's three ninety nine. Get yeah, out of here, dude. <laughs> well, yeah. f you, DC. F you, Barry. F you, Barry, too. No, it's honest to God, it's three ninety nine. Yeah, I just looked at the yeah. cover again. Yeah, Where's my copy? It, it was Where's it was my... an oversized issue, though. It was, yeah. It yeah. is three ninety nine. Son of a bitch! Look at that. Oh damn! You could buy another copy of Proof and <laughs> <laughs> giving it away. Man, Iris is hot. Look at her. Do we? Do we want to? Uh... <laughs> Hi, 11 o'clock comics. It's Templar uh, from the forum, so it's Matt. Um, just dropping you a line because um, I'm dropping you a line now because I'm assuming you won't be doing any hotmail. Hotmail? Twats. I'm assuming you won't do any hotline calls on episode 52 because uh, you'll be far too busy answering 50 million questions from from us. Um, and bless you for doing that. Um, really just calling to say uh, fucking thanks very much for, for a year's worth of, of just fun and um, recommendations and you know just being there to shoot the shit about comics um, I'm completely as of last year kind of new to the comic book community I've only been collecting for kind of back in the game for maybe you know the last 10 years but you guys um, have been instrumental in um, getting me to read some really really great stuff this year so a um, hundred thank yous to all of you um, and to all the guys from the forum uh, for being so amazing as well and a hotline from me wouldn't be a hotline from me without you know saying something relatively cheeky um, I recently started kind of re-listening, going back through um, your episodes, starting from one, and uh, we were we were woodless for I think three episodes. Um, got to episode seven, and I remember this distinctly because I remember I had exactly the same reaction the second time listening to it as I did the first time, and it was at the beginning of when R.I.P. had started, and Vince was. Um, Vince had, was recounting the um, Morrison uh, Morrison's little speech at a con, talking about being abducted by aliens and stuff. And um, Wood was asking Chris, uh, or just asking everybody, you know, whether um, Bruce Wayne's mum would forever be remembered as a uh, coke-sniffing lesbo uh, whore. And of course, Chris said the immortal lines, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Which then lives on in many an episode after. Um, Vince in that episode says two things that, taken out of context, you know what, in context, they're jaw-dropping. Out of context, oh my God. Um, He says, it's kind of like imagining your mum and dad sleeping together. You don't like to think about it, but let's face it, when she was done, she probably stuck it in the other hole too. Gold. 
Absolute gold. And um, the cause for some really bad imagery as well, you know? Didn't, didn't need that, but very, very funny. About ten minutes later, you're talking about Civil... Not Civil, Secret Wars 2. Um, you get on to Volcana, and Vince says, my wife does an amazing Volcana impression when I'm hitting that spot just right, at which point Wood says, nice! Gold. Absolute gold. So you made me laugh out loud exactly the same as I did the first time I listened to that. Guys, you do an amazing job every week. Many thanks. And I will see you for the next 52. Bye-bye. So, uh, G.I. Joe number four. Oh, no. I think we should lay off the G.I. Joe a little bit. No, well, well, go ahead if you want. No, I thought we wanted to talk about it last week. I'm just saying. I'm just Oh, were we supposed there. to? Let's do it. No, I Me mean, too. it came out a week or two ago. I just, I yeah. didn't know if, if we wanted to. I mean, David's setting me up here because no, no, I'm already enough we trouble as yet, Joe. We love, no, I'm, I'm, well, shit, I'll, I'll give props to Robert Atkins. The issue still looks great, although I will. Those pencil his, pages his that pencil he put pages up, on oh forum my look God. awesome. Yeah. The, the Baroness looks good enough to eat. She does. She does. Oh, and, and, and I was saying, if, if there would be a hell of a lot of time between the point where I knocked her unconscious and the point where I threw over my shoulder. Oh, yeah. It's it, in, in, in the pages, it looks like maybe about four seconds. Uh-uh. Yeah. It'd be like 45 minutes. Story, minutes. The story, the story <laughs> between the panels. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right? That's right. <laughs> what happens in the gutter? Don't, don't, don't. All right. But I, yeah, so I, let's I, talk about G.I. Joe. Okay. Well, let's be quick about it. I don't want to. I don't want to belabor it, but it, it was good. Mm-hmm. It let's was talk right. about the. Let's talk about the story. What do you think about the story? I didn't read it, so be, be I, kind to. I think that's to... the problem, frankly. Um, I, I think it's it, taken a while. A few weeks, you know, a few months ago, my criticism of you know uh, was the the finished art didn't look quite as nice as I'd seen it, and obviously Roberts joined our forums and shown us the pencils, and I've come around. I actually think, ironically, this fourth issue, the art was. It's it's getting progressively better, but I think that the uh, uh, I think David, you were you were mentioning after the third issue or maybe the second that you thought the story wasn't going very far. There wasn't much of a cliffhanger, and I have to say we're now four issues in, and pff, there's not much happening. I mean, it's really. Yeah. I mean, if you were, I don't know how many people. I would imagine a lot of the people reading this at least have some familiarity with the original Marvel series. Well, in that original Marvel series, you know the uh, you know they, there's some 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 robots are implanted in the uh, you know, in the pit, and uh, and and they they attack, and they're trying above all to keep the one from escaping to uh, to get up to the ground so that to the air so that he can signal where the pit is and Cobra can invade. Well, that's what this is basically. It. So not only is it taking a long time, but it's literally a modernization of the exact same story, which really wasn't exactly all that compelling back in the day. So I, I just I'm like, really, we're we're revisiting. I mean, the only difference this time out is that these things are able, or actually, there's death now. Yeah, GI <laughs> soldiers and Cobra guys die now, which is you know cool and all, but I mean, uh, is it really safe to say that story? I mean, seriously, but is, is it safe to say that you and possibly David have really high expectations for GI Joe? No, I don't think so. I, I really don't think I do. You, you you said you said I don't know if it was last week. When I say you, I mean Jason. That. The this is one of the things that is so fond to you is remembering playing with your your Joes when you were a kid and and the the Marvel comic was was a, a very important part of your childhood. I think you're expecting. I'm 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 sure not 
making excuses for the comic. Uh-huh. But I think maybe you're expecting a little too much from this. But how about when you consider the creators involved in making this? You have Andy Schmidt, who's 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 an established and 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 seasoned editor. You have Chuck Dixon, who's written some great comic Check book it. stories. Yeah. Um, and then you have an issue like G.I. Joe Origins by Larry Hammer or even, even Cobra Which was by. Awesome, yeah, by the way. yeah, it is. Uh, or Cobra by Christo Stage. Even yep. more it's, awesome. It's, 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 raise the, the roof co- higher. Co- the Cobra issue has been the best one. Oh, I don't my know. God. No, so no, I'm still. I'm still. I'm fine. I'm modified G.I. Joe comic. But when, when you look at all three titles, even if you weren't. I mean, because I haven't. I, I didn't read any of the IDW or DDP, sorry, the, the DDP shows. I didn't read any of the, the Mike Norton issues that I still want to get and things like that. I stopped reading. I stopped reading the GI Joe Marvel series before it ended. So I don't, you know, I don't, you know, Rod, Rod Wingham was still penciling the issues, the, the GI Joe book when I stopped reading it. And it's, it's been years. I know these characters, you know, I know rock and roll. I know tunnel rat. I know, I know Scarlet and everybody. And, but this is just, it's, it, there's no, Real progression, like like, like we it's, say, it's, it's it's running it's running one issue long, and they're making a point of introducing characters, and and I agree, this probably should have been a three issue, arc. and it's 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 got to be deliberate because the movie's coming yeah. out, they're trying, they're pacing yeah. themselves, and that's fine. It's just it's at the expense of, yeah. Okay, you know, let it, me let me ask you a question though, in in relation to the three ninety nine cover price. Do you feel like you are being given art and story in accord with the price you're paying for what no. you're paying? No, really? Not when, I compa- not when I compare it to the other GI Joe books. Oh, right. see, I'm I'm thinking the retail price for what Atkins art one and a half issues. Well, yeah, I mean, we're paying what two dollars and thirty cents for it from yeah, the DCBS. Yeah, from the oh, I, I think I think it's worth two dollars and thirty cents. Yeah, well, at least it's Robert's fun. art is absolutely. Yeah, it's it's fun. it's, it's a diversion. Good. It's a quick read, but I mean, if I'm going to look at that and then go look at, uh, you know, Weapon X number one or or, or Flash exactly. Rebirth, it's like ah, hey, oh, you read no. the Ron Garney? Excuse God me, damn. I'm, talk, I'm talking. It was about a little I'm talking thin, about man. a three ninety nine book. I'm talking about three ninety nine. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna diss Garney. What do you have in your mind? Garney and Jason Aaron. I'm David. You had me. I, it was like the gripper there first. Like, oh, <laughs> the gripper. No. <laughs> no, I don't but know. I, 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 I can find please. nothing about which to complain uh, okay. with G.I. Joe. I, I don't know. All right. But that, don't go by me. I'm not the voice of, that, of reason just, on this well, show. I'm, that's I'm, a, for I'm damn sure. Glad you're here to offset yeah. it. That, that's they fine. got me for another two, three issues if it doesn't really pick yeah. up the pace. Oh, see, you bail a little I, too quick, I, man. No, but unfortunately, even and on the Six forum. Six issues is too quick? No, on, on the yeah. forum, Robert said this. I think at the seventh issue... He's not the artist anymore. There's a new art team. I don't know if Ducks, if, if Ducks, and if, if Chuck oh. Dixon's still writing it, but it, Robert's not going to be on it anymore. So if, um, where's he going? If the, it, he's, I don't know if he's doing something. Well, he's, he's got some Marvel work coming up, but I don't know what else he'll be doing with IDW. Bastard. See? Taking all the good dudes away yeah. from the independents. Well, on what planet is six issues of a monthly book? <laughs> <laughs> Six issues is only one trade, really. Oh, but oh! So now we're some, going by sometimes trade. part of the problem, though, which is exactly that. I think what we're what we're seeing here is very much a issues three and four of a six-issue arc. It's very much a yep. a, a well, why don't you wait till the six issues? We're, we're past the halfway point. 
What if, what if they knock your socks off in the last two issues and the, the middle two were, me, were, were, were a lot? Yeah, I know. But what for another two or three issues before I drop the book. So okay, you have to drop it. I'm not going to drop it. You know what? Because okay. even if issue seven is like the shittiest comic I ever read in my life, I'm going to come on here and it's praise the, the, the piss out of it. Yeah, because it's, just to get you back in. No, all right. I'm just – and <laughs> so if, if there's two issues left in this arc – the Dildinator. And 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 this and this Frank issue game. and this issue ends with one of the robots hitting hey. at it. Oh shit. Alright, you're right. I can't. I just I'm just trying to find out if No, you can see it. Do it if, do it do okay. what you gotta do to perform okay. well uh, adequately. Malaird's adequately there's a first. Malaird, hilarious. Malaird Destro's robot gets out of the pit, makes it to the surface, rock and roll is is in the jeep chasing this thing so now they have to destroy ba- basically the whole reason for the robot to be in the pit was 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 to get its coordinates so now it's free so now we have two issues for the baroness to wake up we find out what's going on you know we know who destro's clients are but th- there's there's that and and gi joe has to stop this last robot and and so we're gonna get two issues to wrap up this story that's already run a little long yeah, I'm already falling asleep. Yeah, I'm not That's... seeing it. I'm having a good time with it. <laughs> I don't know. I am. I'm loving it. Okay. For you, buddy. Yes. I just, you know, it, it, I turn the critical off sometimes yes, when I do. when I when I read books <laughs> that are that are that are action oriented. <laughs> no, no yeah, laugh it up, fuzzball. But I'm just saying, I do not turn the critical off in books like the one I'm going to talk about tonight, which was written by Alan Moore. But G.I. Joe, it's like, it's an action movie. I'm just having exactly. fun. So give us some action. So where's the action? <laughs> having, oh. Trying to keep a robot from escaping for three consecutive issues from a tunnel is not action. Especially yeah. when the exact same story was written by Larry Hama 25 years ago at Marvel. <laughs> I, w- I would have liked to have seen some flashbacks and some some more insight into the characters, Actually, which I they're alluding I, to, and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the the biggest depth was uh, was was Come with on, Tesla Hulk and Scarlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that exactly. was fun too. So I watched something kind of cool this week. I, I watched some Watchmen. Um, speaking oh. of Alan Moore, um, but not the Watchmen. I watched uh, Tales of the Black Freighter. I picked it up uh, on yeah. uh, on on Blu-ray this oh, week. Latida. And um, I'm I'm not for sure how well it works on its own, but I'm really excited to see the master Zack Snyder director cut of Watchmen, oh. he, where he interweaves oh. the Black no. Freighter into the movie. Um, along I was just thinking my money for that's already spent. There's no, there's nothing on this planet that would stop me from buying the complete Tales of the Black Freighter with the yeah. the Watchmen. Yeah. And it, I, it's, I'm, I'm helpless. I have to buy it. And, and I probably shouldn't have bought, I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't resist though. It's got the, right. the Black Freighter and it's got um, the um, um, Hollis Mason's Under the Hood little documentary kind of thing. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it's uh, which is uh, that's kind of interesting because that was kind of like you know upscale fan fiction type um, production qualities. I mean, it was shot as if it were 1985, and it was flashbacks to the 1975 interviews. So, I mean, it was done very well, but uh, it was uh, 
I, it was it was interesting to watch. I don't know how many times I'm going to go and watch the Under the Hood featurette on this, but you know, definitely some interesting insight into the and digging deeper into Watchmen, just like the original Under the Hood in the comic was. But uh, the tales uh, uh, tales of the Black Freighter, uh, really gruesome, uh, absolutely beautiful in Blu-ray, by the way, uh, gorgeous animation, and uh, voiced by Gerard Butler, who is oh, wow. the uh, Yep, the the head Spartan in in three hundred. I say, I thought you were gonna say, "P.S. I love you." Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no, great, it. great, great voice acting and uh, uh, beautifully animated, and I can't wait to see it uh, spliced into the movie, and and I think you're gonna get, uh, I think you're gonna get a, a new viewing experience. And there's also, I have not watched it yet, but there is a special feature. Uh, called a story within a story, and it kind of talks about um, the connections between the Black Freighter and what's going on in the Watchmen main series, oh. and and the connections with uh, <laughs> Nice, so. David. Now let me ask you a question: Is there any live action at all in the Tales of the Black Freighter? Because no. in the Watchmen movie proper, there really wasn't a lot of shots of the kid at the newsstand. There was maybe like two or three, but I mean, he was he um, was in the a I have, lot more I, than that. I have a feeling that that those those shots have probably been done, and those will those are some of the shots that will be added into the mm. the the rumored mega director's cut. Oh, I can't that, wait the, for that. And yeah. animation wise, did they do Joe Orlando Pratt? Um, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it's definitely animated. It's kind of uh, they did Joe Orlando proud as the Watchmen movie did Gabe, Dave Gibbons proud. Cool. Okay. All right. So. Okay. Yeah. No, it it was definitely definitely. Worth, and I think uh, shit. I think you can if you're an iTunes person. I think you can rent it for like four bucks on iTunes right now. Uh, if you want to be smarter than me and wait to get like the super deluxe Watchmen. <laughs> blu-ray and not pay the fucking thirty dollars for this whoa um, was it yeah. really it was 30 blu-ray? bucks yeah. for the blu-ray but i had some best buy rewards point there you go and a gift certificate so i ended up getting it for like 12 bucks so um yeah so you might be smarter to run it through itunes and, and watch it but no it, it, it's a worthwhile watch if you've if you have read watchmen and you know what you're watching if you haven't read watchmen if you haven't seen the movie people are going to watch the tales from the black freighter and say okay that was kind of a fucked up bizarre story um but uh, if, if i like the raft <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They add, they they kind of added and embellished some stuff, I thought, but uh, but it was it was done well. So no, it was I I, I liked it. So that was the one thing. Fan, go go watch it. That was the one thing about the movie that didn't really have as much impact as it could have had was the hug between the the uh, reader and the news agent because mm-hmm. you didn't really see them all that much in the movie. No, and and when they you know during the part where they hug. It's it's like, yeah, not not as much emotional impact as it could have had, but maybe this would make it. That's why the movie know. is never as good as the book, and that's mm. book that's prose and and comics. So yeah, it's uh, it's just never gonna have the same. Movie was damn good though. Oh yeah, I enjoyed it. To that. Um, rare, rare, rarely. That's uh, yeah, Jaws is one of them. Jaws. Yeah. yeah. Peter Benchley's book is a snoozer compared to yeah. the movie. And Moonraker. Better than the movie. <laughs> nice. 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 
All right, Vince. How about Wood? Because I know Vince is going to go on and on. Oh, I'm going to go on. No, I actually have notes written, and I will not go. I, I will. I won't talk any more than my notes will allow because it's a very dense complex piece of work mm-hmm. and i j- i mean some of these aren't even complete sentences but i'm just going to read them the way they're written it's like a fucking fever dream it is because i read an alan moore work Ooh. Oh, yes that, published that, that, that hack you're published by comer? avatar it's called light of thy countenance it's story uh, by alan moore countenance what no, light, don't, do not make light of the title, my friend. It's deep, heavy stuff. Thank you, Mr. Moore. Light, the story was written by, of course, Alan Moore. Uh, the artwork is by Felipe Massafera, very much in, in the Alex Ross neighborhood. Fully painted, beautiful, gorgeous, continuous tone art. And uh, the sequential adaptation was done by Anthony Johnson. Mm-hmm. So this is not Mr. Moore writing this. This is Anthony Johnson adapting Moore's short story. So okay, be that as it may. But, be uh, that as it may. <laughs> how difficult you're, ta- must you're it- talking about the one, the one person in this world that Greg Rucka has given the keys to Queen and Country to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Be that one person. The one person that has written oh, a got you story whose name is yeah. not Greg Rucka. That's that's neato. But what I'm what I'm <laughs> damn <laughs> damn have a seat, no. young lad. This, no, what I'm, I'm just saying that day, it must it must be incredibly difficult to adapt an Alan Moore piece of work because what do you take out? What do you put in? Uh, how how do you decide which? Uh, words are more merit- meritous than, because this. Th- well, see, you're getting me all messed up because I just wanted to just read it. the 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 title. Of course, "Light of Thy Countenance" comes is 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 a takeoff on the Bible, actually the Book of Psalms, chapter forty four, verse three, which I won't read because it's all gobbledygook anyway. But um, what Moore's doing here is he's taking television. And elevating it to the status of of a god, uh, Which the, the it front much is in today's society. yes, exactly. When wait, wait till you see what he does. You, you, the The front cover is a bank of television screens punctuating different momentous occasions in television history. You have the Bride of Frankenstein. There is the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. You have uh, Alan Moore's appearance on The Simpsons. Adolf Hitler, okay, the doors, and superimposed in the TV screens is a crucified man with a halo of electricity. It's really well done. Very subtle, too. You might not even see it if if you're not paying attention. The book begins with a pinprick of light in an expanse of darkness, and it cuts to Maureen Cooper, a barmaid in an English pub. The only thing, Maureen isn't real. She's a character being played by an actress named Carol Livesey in a program called Jubilee Terrace. Uh, another thing, Carol, uh, her real name is uh, Sudgeon. Carol isn't real either. She's nothing more than an, uh, Alan Moore calls her an exosoul, image residue, a collection of fading, flickering points of light created by the sights and sounds we all turn to at some time in our lives. And I'm talking about 
the magician in the box, the Pied Piper of phosphorescent pixels. Say that ten times. The cathode Christ. Television. It's all about television and how it pervades our life and pushes us in certain directions and imprints itself on our psyche. It's there when we're born. It's there when we die. Uh, more drops prose like cluster bombs. There are sections in here that describe the God in great detail, how it defines our reality, how we sacrifice our time and our will at its altar in worship. You want me to read a passage of this thing? The 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 prose is like music. It's beautiful. Wait, wait do you hear some of this. You want me to read it or not? Hello? Yes, make it happen, buddy. Uh, these infantile impressions form the twinkling signal rind of my expanding sphere of consciousness that even now is hurtling out from Earth. 186,000 miles each second, a photoelectric halo, light years in diameter, the oldest signals further out. At the hub, the source, I am a seething nuclear core of novel light, constant, fast breeding of deliriums encrypted magically to Rotengen pulse and dot transmissive headed for centauri and it goes on to uh encompass everything about television is punctuated in this book you get world war ii and the impact that had on on viewers and the the, the point in british history and i did not know this that they feared that Hitler and the Luftwaffe would target areas of London based on their transmission signals, so they stopped broadcasting for like seven years. Did you guys know that? No. No. Mm -mm. I did not know that, and it's akin to the god going into hibernation in, in the book. It's really neat, but he casts this global village conjured by the cathode ray as a bairdo. That's a play on words in honor of the Scotsman John Logie Baird, the first man to demonstrate a working television system. Uh -huh. See, a, bar a bardo in Spanish is a traveling singer-storyteller, but in, in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, it's a state between death and rebirth of being and non-being. So it wasn't until Baird came along that gave this god, great god television life. So more just tweaks a letter here and calls it a bairdo this this village like where this encompasses everything and he associates this vast network of tv transmitters and receivers to the human neurological system it's light unquenchable it knows no death recursive rerun carnations and that's an alan moore word he when he's talking about fred gwynn he's saying that the existence of Fred Gwynn is a rerun carnation where all the different high points of his life exist simultaneously. Like Car 54, Where Are You, Pet Cemetery, My Cousin Vinny, The Munsters, all these different aspects of Fred Gwynn are existing at the same time. I'm I can dig you, it. it. It's beautiful. And well, how's the, it look? Fantastic. Like I said, uh, it's, very, it's very much in the Alex Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, illustrates it. Felipe Massafera. And what do we know him from anything else? He is, I think, doing the Warren Ellis Womb of Frankenstein book that's coming up from okay. Avatar. But uh so every yeah, instance if, if you're if you're a fan of Marvels or, or Kingdom Come. Yeah, it's in that neighborhood. It's it's yep. very um, it's, it's not photorealistic, but it has that 
that beautiful yeah. Alex Ross gesturous kind of watercolor. Correct yeah, me if I'm wrong. This it, is an expensive book, right? Because I remember not ordering. Oh, it's seven ninety nine for forty nine, forty eight pages. Yeah, it's, pres- it's, pre- it's prestige format. But it's worth every goddamn eight penny, and it forty eight pages though. Ah, oh, come on! It's Alan Moore. It's I pay eight bucks for one page, but that's just me. And 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 it's beautifully painted, and, and it'll take you at least an hour and a half to read it. That's a fair point. Right, but every, and I'm, the the part that really gets me about this is that you you have all these little eruptions of Fred Gwynn, but every broadcast creates ripples that fan out to periods in time both before and after the God's existence. So because a wave keeps traveling in space forever, it it the this God of television always was and will never cease to be. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. You've got to read this. It's just this is the power of Alan Moore to take something as commonplace as the television <laughs> and recast it in his own sardonic kind of perverse way and well, show us that this god yeah. is a liar. I mean, it's I don't a think deceiver. he's the first person to equate television no. to a modern day cult or religion. But yeah, no, I mean, he, no, he but he does it in his inimitable, him. yeah, his inimitable style. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this god is substituting real life experience. For seven-second jump cuts of imagery, uh, this abyss of television yeah. is is staring at us, and it's sculpting us in in its image, and that's not a good thing. And it it also goes into the Adolf Hitler recognized the power of this newfangled technology to push people in ways that he wanted them to be pushed, uh, and then it <laughs> the neatest part is. Uh, more links the Mayan calendar, a uh, system of control over the people to the TV guide. <laughs> who else? Who else would do that? Because that that was the the Mayan calendar had these little events where each year and these holidays and and farming rituals that were built into the calendar. And it was really a way of of enacting control over the people, and that's what the TV guide is. One of the better books I've read out of Mister Moore in the last uh, couple of years. Now it's, you, gotta, you gotta it, get it. Is it new or is this reprint material? Has this been around for a while? Uh, the original story, I'm assuming, it was written sometime in the '90s because there are certain passages that are a tad bit dated. Mm-hmm. But I think the adaptation was done recently, and it came. There was a version of this book that came out today. At the comic shop, and had a different cover than the one that I have. Right. Uh, it was a mound of what looked like uh, televisions, and then at the top was uh, a lone television with a signal in it, and there were naked people all around it. And that's not what I have on mine. Yeah. So I, it's still available. You can get it. Uh, it also illustrates the power of commercials imprinting their slogans and uh, ideas into our subconscious. It's a mm-hmm. great little tale. Uh, Put it this way: You can buy this book for seven ninety nine, or you can buy two copies of uh, Booster Gold in the future. What are you going to do? Which which one is more weighty? Come on! I like Booster Gold. I like Booster Gold too, but this is important shit. Mom, this is okay. social commentary. Pick something like fucking Deadpool or something. Yes, Deadpool. Yeah, baby. Yep. Alan Moore's Light of Thy Countenance. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it sounds good. It's good to the last drop. And it's uh, magically it delicious. Dated. It sounds dated because I think if it was written recently, it would no, be it, about the internet, right? I mean, so it's not very. Yeah, but I think the 
television has more power than the internet. Sure, because inter- it's, inter- it's internet uh, would 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 target a very technically diverse person, where the television could get you know Aunt Bessie sitting in the back of the trailer. Yeah. So yeah, fair point. I don't know. It, it's it's a fantastic book, and you must get it. It's uh, right, very there. smart. Well, yeah. as we know, when Vince when Vince speaks, like David said, he's like he has buttons. So I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> See, and there you go. See, you you're proving my point. What did you just say? E.F. Hutton, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Where, where, what, what imprinted that in your consciousness? Television. John Houseman oh. and commercials. Yeah. Do it. Get this book. It's do important. It, do it. Do it. Do it. Anthony Johnson nice. did a fantastic, unenviable task of adapting Alan Moore. I wouldn't want to do so it. So really, do it for him. He, uh, taking a taking a, a word out would be like aborting a child. You don't. Well, speaking mess of, uh, you don't mess with Alan's words. <laughs> A dramatic reading from Please Kill Me, The Uncensored Oral History of Punk, by Legs McNeil and Gillian McCain. This passage is attributed to Jim Carroll and references Patti Smith. I always found Patti to be very Christian. Very, very Christian. I mean, we didn't go to church or anything, but she would read stuff from the Bible. People talk about Jesus died for somebody's sins but not mine. But to me, she was always Christian. I don't know. Maybe she knew I was this Catholic kid, and I never really lost that. I mean, I love the rituals of Catholicism. I hate the fucking politics and the Pope and shit. But the rituals of it are magic. I mean, the Mass is a magic ritual, for God's sake. It's transubstantiation. And the Stations of the Cross. I mean, a crown of thorns? Getting whipped? It's punk rock. I remember saying that on the Tom Snyder show one night, and he said, Some people would, not me, but some people might think that's a blasphemous statement. I said, Not so, Tom, because I'm coming from a very reverential place. <laughs> Boy, did I get letters after that. Speaking of legends in the comics industry. Who we talk quick, about? Well, just oh, a quick, one way. Um, yeah, just a quick... Um, you know, oh. sympathies and shout-outs to, to and, his, and his, his family who uh, lost a good chunk of their worldly possessions as their house burnt down. Uh, lost, their, lost their dog. Lost the yeah, family. Yeah, had, the dog, yeah. dog passed away. I think Sheba was her name, right, Sheba? Mm-hmm. And also a good chunk of... Um, uh, of, comic of Len's, comic yeah, history. Yeah, comic history. I mean, Len had, uh, I guess, some of the things that are confirmed to have been lost is the original art for the cover of Giant Sized X Men number one, um, the entire interior artwork for Hulk 181. Um, and, and as I understand it, these were original pages that were uh, going to go a long way in helping Len and his wife retire at some point. You know, these give you some idea. I've I've seen some original art experts suggest that the uh, the, the page for Giants as X Men worried it would have been a a mid six figure piece of art to give you some examples. So he lost really? all that, and obviously that's irreplaceable. Um, and uh, it's a real shame because the guy's been a, a stand. Everyone I I know that's met him either uh, personally or, or just at a con or something says he's a great great dude nice nice guy he's obviously been hugely important created some of the most iconic characters of uh, of, of the the last uh, few decades and uh, it's just a shame that that kind of thing happens to, to good people 
But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Harlan Ellison's been keeping everybody abreast of things because they're buddies on his blog. And, you know, he had a point to say a lot of people are asking what they can do. And, and Ellison's point was well made, which is that there's really nothing anyone can do right now. Um, it's just a matter of, of, of sitting tight. You know, they're dealing with it. And at some point down the line, whether it's a month from now or six months from now, there, there will be some, some efforts that can be made to help, you know, make them whole. And, and certainly to whatever extent when those happen, I think, you know, we'll call attention to them. And, and if, if you can help, then great. But until yep. then, just uh, you know, keep him and his family in your thoughts. So, yep. and, uh, and, and the uh, family for Frank Springer. I was just going to say, yeah. that. There you boy, go. we are we are of like mind, aren't we? We are today. We are, yeah. It's Getty. <laughs> did did Len Wein write Giant Size X Men number one? Uh, if not the Is whole issue, then, then then most of it, because yeah, I think Claremont <laughs> started right after that. Okay, ninety six, did, uh, didn't he? Ninety seven. Oh, wow. Because I, 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 because uh, Wayne Wayne also created Storm. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, okay, because I've got I've got X Men '95 laying around here somewhere. That's uh, probably my my last old old X Men issue that I have. But uh, so that would be a one ween, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Death of Thunderbird, by the way. With a yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. with a uh, oh. with a Gil Kane and Dave Cockrum cover. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love yep. the cover of that. It's uh, it's good stuff. My favorite comic issues of all time. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. you know that. I mean, you know I'm a huge X-Men fan. <laughs> Is it really? It's did, you, too easy. Did, did you hear the condemnation in that, in his voice? Yeah, what would? a dick. No. <laughs> I'm not condemning anybody, but, that, you know. That piece of shit would? You really like <laughs> that, do you? Come on, I've, you want to say it I've, again? I've, you I've like that? I've made copies of that entire oh, run sitting up in my, on my wall here. God, you're putting words into my mouth. That, you <laughs> no, we all read the same vibe from you, Mr. <laughs> Sorry, it's not the first printing of Bean World, but you know what? <laughs> it's only what got are me into comics. Able, are we going to be able to come together in time next week for the, for the questions? That's what I want to know. Oh, you know, I'm thinking that we should really get as get through as many questions for episode 52 as we possibly can within a reason a reasonable span of time and then the stragglers that it's inevitable we're going to have some left over maybe we should take one set of questions and continue each week i like that and, and, so, until we're done so do we and so, so should we lock the thread next week oh well, that, yes responses, okay. right so you figure two questions or response that's 150 or so questions but there, are, but there are some just just for one person in particular i mean there are, yeah. there are a couple on there just for okay. vince a couple on there just for you so i i, I start, a couple in there for you started reading some of these questions and my my first impression was a there's no way in Hell, I'm ever going to answer that question, and <laughs> and and number two, there's some that got a little fucking personal. There's some know? that are personal, and there and there are some that if you if if you go back and listen to earlier episodes, you'll also get an I'm answer. I'm a big but I can... fan of 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 opening up the kimono every now and then. It, I Me will... too. I will answer well, any got air any out. showing the hairy bush. Yeah, I was going to say any personal question. I haven't. I've been trying to avoid the thread. So I, any personal question that doesn't that deals with me and doesn't and for some reason like you know wouldn't piss my wife off or something. I'll answer. So uh, you could ask me anything. I'll, I'll answer, answer anything. I, I'm, well, no, I'm, I'm saying I, I think I, I would I answer anything. I don't, I don't know why there, people I have would... to leave some exception because I'm not going to. There's got to be a few things I wouldn't answer. But but uh, but yeah, 90, doesn't want to talk about the homosexual experiences. Yeah, you of know, course. Come the on. Taint. 
Tickling. The t- <laughs> things tickling. Na- na- the snapping turtle. The, uh, <laughs> we don't go there. The Nambla meetings held in your basement? No, no. Uh, but, yeah, I understand that some people, you know, you wouldn't want to talk about the real personal stuff. We Why need would to you... Chris. Chris is all reserved. He's, he's scared. He is. we well, got to get him drunk. Know, <laughs> <sighs> he's got secrets, man. He's people, he's people who know people, so he's got secrets that can't... I know. They, 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 they can't see lights. So. Yeah. He's important. Uh, yeah. He is. Hey, this is Daryl. You know, king of the fuckers. I want to tell you guys, everybody that contributes to the show, that congratulations on doing the 50th episode of your show. No matter how we disagree or agree on what comics we like or don't like, the one thing that we have in common is that we all love comic books. No matter how much I bitch about it, I love them. I love them all. So I just want to say you guys are great. You're entertaining. It's kudos for y'all for giving us a forum where we can act crazy. I know they call all us callers crazy, but hey, fuck it. So what? It's good to have a little crazy in in fandom. So that's it. Later. Fuck it. This is crazy Daryl again. And this is what I want. I want all the cliches in comics to come back. Fuck it, I love the nineties. I want big guns. I want pouches. I want nipples coming out of chicks' costumes. I want swords that you never take out and big-ass swords. I want swords so fucking big that it is bigger than the width of a person's body. That's what I want. I want the cliche. I want kick-ass stuff. I don't want to sit. I don't want a conversation. I want people to be shooting and and hitting people with stuff and jumping around and 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 people to come back from the dead. And I want all that. I want eyes glowing for no fucking reason. I want I want everybody that has cybernetics and shit. I want armor. Fuck it, why not? Have armor. Everybody get armor on them for no reason. That's what I want. I want anger in comics. I want everybody to be angry. Why not? Let's do it. All that intellectual shit is fine, but fuck that. I want I want straight psycho crazy teams of people who just kick ass. I want 40 versions of Wolverine. I can't wait for the Wolverine movie. I want to see Wolverine cutting up people all day long. That's what I want. I can't wait for it. Fuck it. Let's do this. Let's bring the cliches back. Damn it. I want 50,000 different variation covers. 
do it. Why not? I want foil covers. I want cards in there. Why the fuck not can't we do that? I want that. Do it. Why not? What's wrong with it? What's the problem? Let's do this. I like cable. I still like cable. In fact, I don't think they, they need to bring the pockets back to the cable book. I like that shit. Why not? Let's do this. Who's with me? Who is with me? Let's bring it back, people. Fuck it. Later. Uh, all right. We, we should really bring it back to comics because this is a comic podcast. Oh, I, I got think. some comics for you. Go Do ahead. it. Vince, if you're not reading this, dude, if you're not reading this, you got to read this. Irredeemable I got one. to. Have what to. is it? Irredeemable Air. Oh. Air. Yes, I'm reading it. I'm, I'm, no, wait. I'm, I'm not. Okay, I'm buying I'm it. I'm buying it. There we go. I'm buying it, but I haven't progressed past the first issue. Because you didn't like I'm, it? No, I didn't say that. I'm just letting it stack up for whatever reason. Oh, but well, I did I did really like the first issue. That does yeah, nice insomnia kicks in? Oh. Wow. So why don't you tell us why don't you tell us what's so good about Air? Okay, well first of all, Air is a new series by by Vertigo. It's uh written by G. Willow Wilson. Love that and name. Mm-hmm. Illustrated by M. K. Perker. I don't know what the M K stands for. Um Moon Knight. Uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, no Moon Knight. Martin Luther the King. <laughs> you just <laughs> Oh, anyway. oh boy! So, the Moon Knight drawn uh, the DC book. <laughs> so so stupid. <laughs> okay, we've so, lost it. So All right, is, girls. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know. The story. <laughs> Thank is, you, Chris. The the protagonist is a hottie blondie flight attendant <laughs> named Blight, who happens to be afraid of flying, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh anyway it's 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 extremely quirky series. Um when it was first solicited, I thought uh, I don't know if I'm going to like it or not, but with most Vertigo things, uh, I have enough faith in in the value of of uh of the imprint that I'll always try out the first trade of any series because usually they price it right. It's it's mm-hmm. so you definitely get your money's worth. So I figured I'd give this a try. Went into it with with uh, very minimal expectations. I didn't I didn't have any idea if I would like it, what it was about. Um, and I have to say, it's extremely quirky, uh, nice. and and it works. Um, it, it, Does it get paranormal at all? Yes, very much. Nice, very much. Um, it, what starts off is basically, you know, this girl Blythe, and and she meets someone, and he's he, he may be a terrorist, he may be a hero, you don't know. Then you start wondering if. A bunch of things happen. I don't want to give give it away, but but you start wondering: Is she is she imagining things? Does he really exist? Doesn't he? You find out, in fact, he does exist. Um, the god Quetzalcoatl plays a role. No uh, way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is there anyone the concept, in the series named Pinchbeck? No. Uh, the okay. the concept of alternative energy is a huge factor here. Um, oh. There's a lot of allusion to terrorism being synonymous with the big oil companies wanting to keep um, new perpetual energy concepts to themselves and what they're willing to do to get that. Uh, there's a hint that there's a much bigger uh, conspiracy slash organization that's that's had access to quasi scientific uh, 
things that that we don't realize exist but have existed for a long time. There's uh, a lot of political so commentary about you know the the malleability of borders and how um, you know entire societies can be uh, erased from our memory in, in really a matter of a generation um, based on who, who wins. Again. I want to read it now. Yeah, it's really. I mean, literally, it's it's one of those books where you know you hear people say it's a book that is hard to quantify. This is a book that's hard to quantify because. Um, if you were to ask me to give you an elevator pitch, I couldn't. I mean, I can't. I can't describe this in one or two sentences, other than to say that it is an absolute unpredictable ride. Every issue takes a ninety degree turn, but at the end of the of the trade, I was dying to read the next, and so I'm going to start buying it in the issues because um, nice. I don't want to wait for the next trade. So, uh, but Vince and this is. To, I mean, just to give you an example of why I said that Vince. This is out of his alley. Um, so I mentioned Quetzalcoatl's in it, who is uh, the the winged serpent god of of the. Uh, yes. Is it Mayan or Incan? I'm not sure which. Aztec. I th- one of. The, I uh, think it's the Aztecs. Aztecs. Yes, it is Aztecs. So at one point, they introduce the the lead character to something called the Magal, which they say is a hyperprax engine, and it's based on centuries old Aztec technology that's basically perpetual energy, and uh, the illustration is straight out of Kirby. I mean, it's this gigantic monstrosity of an of a of a device that uh you know is is giving off huge bright energy it's got all kinds of piping and tubing and at the center is is a is a a pyramid with aztec symbols it's just crazy it's it's a crazy ride and then there's a huge reveal at the very end um you're crazy is my reality though Yeah, which talk about you know talk about a a cliffhanger the the last page uh they introduce another character um to blythe blythe kind of meets one of the people that presumably is behind a lot of this and uh and it's it's just totally off the wall, but the character fits in perfectly with a lot of the stuff you've read. Um, I don't want to give the character away because it's the big reveal, but it was. I read that page and I said, "God damn, I got to pick up the issues off the shelf because I can't. Uh, I got to see what happens here." So well, well, really I, do, th- I do think that the seventh issue was a buck. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it's a gorgeous book too, by the way. I'm not familiar with M.K. Perker. I guess these two apparently did Cairo, the graphic novel together. Yeah, the graphic. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. I haven't read it, so I can't speak to it. But this is—it's a beautiful book. It's yeah, it's good. really, really beautiful. And and uh, and she's. She's one of those artists that um, is it a he or a she? I, I, I know it's a I female. I think MK is a he. Okay, well then he he does. Yeah, I mean he nice. he does much much like we praise Fables for. You know how Fables is great and that uh, and that uh, Buckingham doesn't uh, just use the panels. He'll use the uh, you know the frames of the panels and the outside of the pages. Well, uh, the, Perker does the exact same thing. He 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 illustrates within in between the the panels and 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 around the frames of the book and it really advances the story and i wish more artists were willing to take chances with the way they lay out a, a comic book page but um he he does a great job with it so god i just yeah. it, if there's a book that you're going to read on my recommendation give this one a try because i just think it's a lot of quirky fun uh, well i guess i'm just going to have to kick those up to my the top of my to yep. read pile yeah because i've been i've been lax I'm any of you guys any of you reading it I think I. How many issues are in the first trade? Five, six, six, six. I think six. Right. Yeah, I, six. I think that the first trade shipped the oh, same five. week as the. Yeah, that's as why. The, five. Uh, oh, really? Only five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then maybe, maybe I only read the first four issues. I did read the first few issues. It, it was it, it was different. I didn't. Uh, I, I kept reading it. So I mean, it wasn't something that I was I wanted to get away from. I I was trying to find out, you know, what the hell, who who. 
this know. this this person that uh, that Blythe was in love with and what he was all about and and of Man. course and and the big and the big villain with the mm-hmm. uh and and it that was neat the way they they came into her life with that one dude on the plane who was like watched his briefcase and I mean it was it's yeah. it's a it, it is I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to it I have uh, I said I don't think I finished the first arc so something isn't um something isn't gelling with what you were saying from where I left okay. off so I'll uh, well if you have a pass I would say this if you have a passing interest in conspiracy theories at all i mean if you're a fan of lost that sort of thing or or, or anything um you know the tinfoil hat wearing crowd i mean this is kind of up that, <laughs> that come on you know it's definitely <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and, and i do think that in in devising the series for publication that they specifically targeted the lost crowd because as soon as you get you know airlines and weird goings on that's sure. the crowd you know and i don't blame them because it's a very popular show if you're going to target something, target lost. Yeah. So. Well, there's a there's a the last page of the fourth issue is where I I was I you know where I went from thinking all right is this is this chick just a, is this a story about just a mentally crazy chick or is there something more here and that f- that last page of the fourth issue where she is rescued from a precarious position by a uh, very much a physical something physical uh, I was like, I mean, that page is just, I mean, that's it's crazy, and it sort of takes you into a whole other realm where you realize that this is actually right. happening, but it's have to really it. out there stuff. It's, uh, uh, Perker does have a uh, does have a website, mkperker dot com. Mm-hmm. He's done. He's uh, he's an editorial illustrator. He's his work has appeared in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Heavy Metal, Mad, The Progressive, The New Yorker, and more. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. It, the faces are. It's. I. As I'm looking Very at these, unique I, artwork. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think who it reminds me of, but there's a little. His faces are a little bit. I mean, this may be sacrilegious for some, but it's a little bit like Mobius. I mean, it, it, I think oh, he's definitely sure. inspired yeah. by. He's inspired by. I, I mean, I, I don't think he's got quite the Mobius chops, but but he's. I saw a little bit of Kaluta in the first issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just a little. Okay. But yeah, and uh, speaking of Vertigo, um, this month's previews the trade. The first trade of Madame Xanadu is offered yeah, tonight. Ten issues. It's it's pretty cheap. Ten issues for twelve ninety nine. Yeah, I my pick all over the Eisner nomination. Me too. Oh yeah, yeah. Madame Xanadu. I heard David in in my my the back of my mind saying it's good, it's good because he's he's brought it up a bunch of times. For that price, I think it was half price at DCBS. I had to get it. Yep, because it's the first ten issues, right? Right, that's a Actually, nice reading. I experience. bought the first three issues in singles and then stopped to wait for the trade. And uh, uh-huh. and, and even I mean, with like you said, with ten issues for this price, it's like totally worth six, it. It is six ninety nine, I think. Etrigan, Etrigan's in a uh, in an early issue. Nice. All right, I think we're done. Yeah, sounds good. We are spent. Well, next week's the Chris. big week. It's- yeah, I know. Whoa. That's why we're kind of. Kind of bringing it in a little early this week because we're going to have a long one next Pop and bubbly. Whatever that means. Uh, uh, one, one, one word answers from me next week. Is this your... No. <laughs> yes or no. No open-ended questions. Yes. <laughs> There's one right now. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you, people, for joining us. And in your travels, do yourself a favor and read Gold Digger. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. From Fred Perry. Uh, keep an eye out on Free Comic Book Day for Gold Digger number 101. He rebooted the series in a sense, and he's offering that issue free on Free Comic Book Day. It's awesome. you got to get it. Gold awesome. Digger. Remember that name. Who's next? 
Uh, free comic book day. Um, I'll just say if you're a Savage Dragon fan, um, we may have something kind of cool for you on AC. So read Savage Dragon. <laughs> All right. Nice. Go ahead, um, dude. Read Air. Read Air. Aw. I'm going to read Air. That's what I'm going to do. Well, then read Maybe Madame Xanadu. Nice. There you go. I don't have any issues of Madame Xanadu, so I'm going to have to wait for the trade. Yeah. Nah. Looks damn good, though. I like her. All right. Yeah. All right, boys. Let's say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.